1: It's a Superflex Super Show. It's week 13. It is your Superflex Standard Operating Procedures. And I am John Hogue, at super Dude on Twitter. Joining joining me tonight, r- my returning friend, Brian Haar, at Brian Haar FF. And uh, just in time for the end of the regular season, for fantasy purposes, Brian Haar, welcome back, man.
0: Thanks, man. It's good to be back. I'm excited about tonight and uh, excited about finishing the fantasy season very strong. Yeah.
1: And uh, excited. I, I got to ask you excited about Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
0: Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. I'm going to eat so much freaking turkey. Attaboy. Oh, I love it. All. I don't think there's a thing about cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce is the one thing at Thanksgiving that I can't stand. And that's probably a hot take for some people. But uh, I, love, I love like every food that you can put on the table at Thanksgiving. I'll I'll eat it. I love it all.
1: Really? Um. Uh, okay. Real quick, with the cranberry sauce, are we talking like the the homemade stuff or the the canned like gelatinous stuff that you so, like the can?
0: So I don't personally like either of it. Okay. Um. Now my wife, my wife loves the canned stuff, which yeah. is really weird, but yeah, no, I love the, that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, slice, I, it, slice it up and
1: yep yeah yeah i i don't i don't i yeah the when it's shaped like the can you actually you know it's gonna be good when somebody actually puts in the hard work to chop everything up and put it into you know this homemade cranberry sauce like that stuff's gonna be bullshit and i know it yes uh so last year um on the super flex super show uh i uh, i i did an episode with my good friend, James, the brain. And we, uh, we did kind of a start sit episode. Um, we, we're going to basically, we were, we did our normal, you know, our, everybody's familiar with our, the way we do start sits here on the super show, you know, the green, yellow, red, but we replaced the green light with the Thanksgiving food that we like the most. We replaced uh, the yellow light with the f- Thanksgiving food that we're like yeah it's o- it's okay but you know it's it's uh not not necessarily the star of the meal and then we replace the red light with you know that Thanksgiving food that we just want nothing to do with Oof. uh <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot what, what uh what would you say is your green yellow and red for the Thanksgiving feast? Okay. So, so for me, the red is, is the cranberry sauce. I would, I would, I would be
0: perfectly fine without it. Easy. enough. Um, I think for me, the, oh man. See, I mean, you can't say, you can't say, I mean, Turkey has to be the green light, right? It's the, it's the wrong (sighs) yellow light at best, but it's, but it's Turkey. Like that's, it's it's Turkey day.
1: Yeah, it's the tradition, but that doesn't mean that you have to like it. Okay, you have to well, eat okay. it, but you don't have to if, like if it. If I okay, so if
0: I'm not if I'm not constrained by mm. that, for me, it's mashed potatoes, <laughs> easy. Okay, that's that's your green light. That's my green light. Yeah, and I would say my yellow
1: light is probably stuffing. Yeah, that's that's fair. So it, it it's tough for me because. Um, you know, so much of that stuff has gluten, which I can't have. Oh, uh, so <laughs> so it kind of eliminate like a lot of that stuff. I have to abstain on. Right, like I I love mashed potatoes and gravy, but it's been years since I've been able to find somebody who makes gravy without you know thickening it with with wheat flour. So right, like that that kind of gets left out. Uh, but last year, um, I'm gonna see if I can remember what I had. Uh, for each of those just kind of off the top of my head uh but i think for the red light it was and and these all ended up being a little bit hot takey by the way i think the red light if i remember correctly was a green bean casserole if it wasn't i mean it might have been yellow light but it's 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 somewhere in there it's yellow it's either yellow or red for me because i just i don't like the color i don't like the and in in fact i i remember bringing this up because i i offended among other people our uh, our mutual uh bestie the dynasty outhouse <laughs> russ fisher by comparing the color of green bean casserole to the color of the seattle seahawks uniforms oh my yeah the you know mm. some some gray some green yeah you, know, yeah, you I can see you it just put it in the blue dish and, and now we're not,
0: we're not talking color Feed Rush. it to
1: the twelves. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's more like spearmint gum, but yeah. this is, yeah, this, this is especially kind of the old school uniforms where the gray was a lot more, a lot more dominant. Right. It did. It is very green bean casserole to me. Um, i i think that i also had yams in there as either my red or my yellow um, I, love, or, I love some yams Ooh, yeah yeah i i i can't do it they they don't make any sense to me it's <laughs> like why why is this sweet this does not look like it should be sweet and what why are we putting marshmallows on it that feels really random I mean that you know it, it it could it feels like it could be anything put anything on top of that why marshmallows um it, it, and it's just a little too rich I don't I don't know it, it sends me into insulin overload uh but my green light was anything that's non traditional whatever whatever you want to introduce that's not a traditional Thanksgiving uh th- Thanksgiving food is I, i'm all about it you know whether it's like spaghetti and meatballs or oh my gosh John. or like uh <laughs> enchilada casserole or you know whatever you want to somebody order a freaking pizza and <laughs> that i'll i'll just i'll just push everything else aside and just get down on the pizza oh <laughs> see i am i am when it comes to
0: thanksgiving when it comes to thanksgiving dinner
1: yeah
0: there are staples that if they are not there, I will walk the F out. (laughs) Like I I am definitely a traditionalist when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner. I I mean, you just, why, why? Yeah. Why mess with pure greatness? It's just, it's the best meal of the year. The thing that pisses me off the most about Thanksgiving dinner is that why do we only have it like once a year? You can buy a Turkey (laughs) in the middle of June. Why aren't we eating Turkey? Like, We should be eating turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and noodles and yams and green bean casserole and all the goods like (laughs) once a week. Like it should be a staple. It shouldn't be once a year. It should be like, give me all that stuff every Sunday evening. (laughs) Like, oh, Oh, my gosh. I mean, I could eat that. I could eat that easily three days a
1: week. I didn't know how much we disagreed on this or oh, else I, I wouldn't it. have taken us down this rabbit. I hole. love it. Just, because, I mean, you, the, we only do this once a year. I, you know, and there, there's still, we still have those holidays that are, you know, <laughs> that, that there's plenty of, of excess uh, of, uh, you know, of, of uh, particularly with food. I mean, we just got done with Halloween with bags and bags full of candy, I know for a fact you've got kids. I know that you took some candy from your kids. Don't oh, try and definitely. tell me that you didn't. Oh, I definitely okay. did. I definitely that a boy. Uh I bought two bags of candy for Halloween. One of them was for me and one of them was for the trick-or-treaters. <laughs> that a boy. You know, we we all do we all do that one. Now we've got, you know, the the various winter holidays coming up next, whether you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or I married into a Jewish family. I know. I happen to know that Hanukkah is just as much a uh, a sit down with the family and eat a bunch of food type sure. of holidays as Christmas is. Yep. Even we even have the Fourth of July where you know it's 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 different foods, but it's still you know lot, lots of barbecue, lots of beer. But this this country knows how to stuff its gut. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> we, no we, doubt about it. <laughs> we, we don't need. And, and it's very obvious by the obesity rate around this country, number one. Uh, and th- number two, the fact that we've got people who are allergic to everything. I'll, I admit it. I'm allergic to gluten. That's because I've eaten so much freaking pizza and pasta throughout my life that my body finally said, no, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep doing this to us. That was do, you feel,
0: do you feel better?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because we still have to do this in, in two short days. <laughs> We've got to do another one of these. Hey, and I'm going to develop another food allergy, I guess. Just oh, not to green beans. As As our boy Bart Scott would say, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, man. Well, we've got a lot to get to, but I think that that was very important stuff for uh, for the listeners to to know about uh, the the co-hosts of this particular episode. But uh, we'll, we'll get to the SOPs. Um, just know that uh, as as you're sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner somewhere, the super flex dude is just sitting there wishing that there was just some tacos uh, and and replace the the turkey with some freaking tacos
0: oh my god
1: <laughs> and send send the turkey to Brian Har because uh, he'll he'll take all of it
0: yes indeed
1: <laughs> all right Brian let's let's do some uh, some ads for the week and we're pairing all of this stuff down a lot we're starting to transition a little bit more towards. Uh, you know those of you who are eliminated from contention in your dynasty leagues um, so you can start looking ahead a little bit to the offseason that sorry the non-point scoring season uh hashtag brand that just for you yes thank you <laughs> and uh it, you know people are also running out of fab and to be honest this the waiver wire has not been great this year anyways i mean you know, you've kind of found some gems lately, like Bo Scarborough, but for the most part, it's, it's not been what it's, what it's been before. So, you know, we're not going to sit here and act like the there are a ton of saviors out there on the waiver wire. Cause it's just kind of, it's kind of not right now. So, but there are a few guys, uh, that, that I think we need to talk about. Some of them are going to be high priorities. Some of them are not. Um, and, what I think here is uh, maybe we'll just kind of take turns here and make the case for each one of these guys. Um, you know, where's he going to be rated for you, and what's your reasoning? And uh, see if you can you can pull the other uh, co-hosts to to your side of thinking here. So, um, so for instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Benny Snell because to me he's the number one priority. Uh, there's another running back that we're going to have to talk about that I just I, I I think that he should be owned, but I don't think that he's the priority that Benny Snell is. Um, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. But here's my process on this: is the fact that you know James Conner probably it looks like James Conner probably makes it back this week, but you know he's he the the nagging injuries are kind of piling up on him it, you know the the steelers i'm sorry to say it man but they're kind of falling out of playoff contention here the ravens are running away with that division you're kind of angling for a wild card and you know even then it's going to be it's going to be tough to get to it and you, the quarterback play is pretty suspect i i just i don't know at what point you just shut down James Conner for the year, kind of cut your losses and, you know, just let these young guys run out the clock for you on, on the 2019 season to me, Benny Snell is he's the only other guy beyond James Conner. Who's kind of the workhorse type of back. He's the feature back guy. He's, he fits that mold. And I, and I think we saw it this week, he ended up being the lead back, even with Jalen Samuels, perfectly healthy. They moved Jalen Samuels around the formation and use him in the passing game, which is perfect for him. We talked about that all off season. That's, that's the role for Jalen Samuels. And he should be on the field regardless of, you know, what, what personnel you're, you're running with your. With your running back situation, you know, he, Jalen Samuels is a guy that you can put in the backfield with a James Conner, with a Benny Snell. You can send him in motion to the slot. You can even put him in line as a, as kind of a tight end, you know, he, he, and, and have him running routes, whether it's out of the backfield or, or off the line. Uh, so, you know, with, if James Conner misses any more time or, you know, if they were to shut him down for the year, I think Benny Snell becomes a feature back. And I think we just saw that. I think there's a good chance that that happens. And for that reason, I'm willing to do what it takes to get Benny Snell. I would be willing to go all in for Benny Snell. I don't know that you're going to have to, I think he might be flying under the radar a little bit and people are still expecting James Conner to take that role back. Or you know Jalen Samuels take on that role something like that, but uh, to me I, I, this is just a matter of time, and uh, I think that Benny Snell is the type of guy who helps you get to the playoffs and and make a run. I think he's one of those late season guys who's going to do that. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think where Benny Snell is is probably going to make most of his uh, money, it, both in his career and also in for fantasy owners, is um, it, it, in the red zone. I mean, he's down around the goal line. He's he's the type of back that can just plow forward and get you, you know, get, get you on those goal line touches. He's going to score. You know, he's going to score touchdowns. Um, I did like what he did in this particular game. It was Cincinnati, so, uh, you know, it, it makes sense that he had his career best uh, in, in terms of yardage uh, in this particular game. Um, I'm still really high on Jalen Samuels. Like you said, I'm not, you know, they they do move him around, and I like that they use him in, in a different role. But he's kind of shown that he can be a workhorse back when they need him to be. Um at least, in my opinion, I mean, he did did that. He had the big game against New England last year, where he did that, um, and he's performed in a couple of other games here, where <clears throat> where Connor's been banged up. Um, I, I I do like Snell. I think long term, he's a guy that I don't know that. I guess the the big question for the Steelers in in all these running backs is James Connor. What are they going to do with him? Because he's coming up to the point in his in his career where he's going to need to get paid right and mm-hmm. i don't think the steelers are gonna pay him i really don't i mean i think he's gonna have to take a team-friendly deal um in order for them to pay him i know they like the kid a lot but you know if, if he's trying to maximize his his money which he he should i mean i don't blame players for trying to do that um you know then i i just don't know that he's gonna he, he may price himself out of pittsburgh um you know, and and then yeah, and then you have a guy like Benny Snell, um, who who steps in. I I do think that you know, Mike Tomlin historically has has stuck with one running back. He's he's been a very <laughs> ride your workhorse running back, you know, until the wheels fall off and then move on to the next one. I don't know that you see that moving forward in this offense um, unless they bring in another back. But they don't really have the draft capital, I don't think, to to go out and get a back like that. So, you know, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell. You saw um, White, and I don't even know what the heck his first name is. He's a Steelers player, and I don't know what his first name is. <laughs> Karras. W- there you whatever go. Whatever that is. Yeah, it's,
1: a, it's not a real name, so it's it makes sense that you wouldn't know it. I mean, you even see him getting worked into this offense, though, and getting
0: some carries, you know, as a as a kind of a scat back type um you know, little quicker uh, and dynamic playmakers. So, it, you know, I, I think they could move potentially to a more, uh, you know, running back by committee, uh, at least more so than we're used to seeing from a Mike Tomlin coach team um, moving forward. But I do like Benny Snow. I do think he has some upside, especially in the red zone uh, or at the goal line, uh, scoring some touchdowns there. Um, I'll, I'm going to jump to the other running back, though, because... So so the other running back that we have here for, for ads is, is Rashad Penny of mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks. And for me, I, I think he is probably my top priority here, mm-hmm. but not because I like him or believe in him. I don't at all. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But, but there are literally people who today think that he is a better running back than Chris Carson. He Go has wrong. the draft. I agree 100% they're absolutely wrong <laughs> yeah I mean Carson is the running back nine on the season with seven fumbles four of which have come in the last three games which is awful and which is why we're even having this conversation if Chris right. Carson would not fumble the football we're not even Rashad Penny probably didn't even I mean he would. He had 14 carries this past weekend he probably gets three if right. if if Carson isn't fumbling the football. Okay. So, and yes, that is an issue. I mean, that is a real thing that is happening. And and I understand that, but Chris Carson is far and away a better running back than Rashad Penny. Just is right. Um. Penny has a draft capital. Okay. So, so, so the mindset of, of people, and there are a lot of them out there. Trust me, a lot of Rashad Penny guys, right? Oh, I know <laughs> tons of them. So for me, I, I would prioritize adding him. And then I would, if, if you, so, so here's the deal. If you have a trade deadline that has already passed, I would add Benny Snell before I would add Rashad Penny in a, in a redraft league, in a mm-hmm. dynasty league, I would grab Rashad Penny. i would try to grab both of these guys, but I would, dra- I would grab Penny and try to flip him. If you don't have, you know, trade deadlines still out there, which I'm very pro no trade deadline, but you know, that's me. Um, I agree. So- but but so if you're in a league that that you that you can still trade or if you're in a dynasty league um where you can stash penny and then move on from him immediately after the season for maybe a 2021st i would do that in 0.2 seconds is how long it would take me to accept that um so I, i just and i and i legit think that there are people out there that would absolutely pay that for him um so, you know, I, I think that's why I would prioritize Penny, not because I like him more, just because I think there are people out there that really do. And I would try to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, I so I guess my question to you is, you know, it, it, and it sounds like I got my answer here and it sounds like we're on the same page, but just I, I just want to be clear. So um, regardless, whether it's Redraft or Dynasty, you're you're but you're playoff bound. Say, you know, you've already clinched a playoff spot, now you're just looking for seeding and then trying to to map out your path to that fantasy championship. Which one of these guys would you rather have on roster? I'd probably have I I'd I'd want Snell. Yeah, yeah. See, and, and and I fully agree with that. Um so yeah, with all that being said, uh and I think a lot of people there's a lot of advice out there right now to go get, you know, to, to go all in on Rashad Penny. And like you said, I mean, Chris Carson's still the better back. He has been for the better part of two years now, you know, it's not like this stuff changes overnight, you know, it's, it's, and we saw this exact same scenario in week two where, you know, Chris Carson fumbled, they benched him because, you know, he was having a tough game and uh, they were, you know, they were kind of at risk of losing that game. Rashad Penny came in and had a nice game, including a, a nice little touchdown run, and everybody lost their mind. It, it, here it is. This, this you know, we've been talking about this for, for uh, you know, a year and two weeks now that this was going to be ultimately Rashad Penny's job lo and behold the next week it's right back to chris carson he gets the majority of the work and you know since then he's taken more and more of the work like to a point where you know rashad penny has just been a a, the guy that lets chris carson take a break right it's it hasn't been a significant workload to this point now i i mean i think that the you probably give Rashad Penny a little bit more of a workload down the stretch, mostly just because of, you know, the amount of work that Chris Carson has taken on so far, the, C, the you know, the Seahawks are playoff bound. They, you know, the it's, it, you, you kind of have to prepare for that and make sure that, you know, you've got all of your, your, mo- your most important pieces, healthy and well-rested and ready to win, you know, in the playoffs once you get there. So, you know it stands to reason that Rashad Penny is going to take on more of a workload and and you're going to rest Chris Carson a little more but i mean make no mistake they still trust Chris Carson more than Rashad Penny Chris Carson is still the better player he's he's faster he's more explosive he's a better receiver out of the backfield he's a better blocker all of that stuff matters
0: yeah i mean and and the thing here with you know I mean again I so Peter Howard is is in my brain right now because he's a big, big Rashad Penny guy. So the, so here's here's the thing for me. I mean Carson he fumbled in week in week. Oh, I just clicked the wrong button, bro. I'm sorry. In week 9, so he fumbled twice in week 9, okay? Also fumbled in week 10 against the Niners. Okay, so three fumbles in weeks 9 and 10. Rashad Penny's carries in weeks 9 and 10. Four and two, six total carries with Carson fumbling the ball three times. They trust Chris Carson more than they trust Rashad Penny for production out of the backfield. Now, again, the fumbles are an issue, and I'm not saying that that isn't going to give Rashad Penny more opportunity, right? I'm just not convinced that he's going to show more than Chris Carson with Chris Carson's continued opportunities. I don't even I mean, again, if you're comparing those two guys as running backs, I just think Carson's a a much more talented player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, to your point, I, the Rashad Penny's going to get more work. I don't think it's because of the fumbles. I think it's just because of that's the point in the season that we're at. Um, And you know, you know how I feel about Chris Carson. And I have felt this way for the entirety of his career from the first time I saw him as a rookie. In the preseason, I knew that this is a special guy and I've been saying it nonstop, you know, all along electric playmaker, baby, the electric playmaker. But I am going to just just to show that I can set biases aside. I'm going to I'm going to say that in the offseason, I think we're going to have to have a real conversation about. You know how how much longer we're going to be willing to trust Chris Carson at the rate that they've been feeding him the ball over the last, you know, two seasons essentially since he's been healthy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I think that he's going to be a dynasty sell for me. Um, it it I, and it's going to hurt my soul to do it, but you just you have to be proactive and you have to be pr- pragmatic with the running back position so this isn't a this isn't a you know a, a further endorsement of chris carson i i that that day is coming it's just not here yet so don't give up on chris carson don't sell the farm for rashad penny it, it, you're gonna have a hard time finding those spots where you can actually start him um so i it sounds like we're in agreement The the higher priority for both of us is benny snell Um, so the, the rest of these are a little bit easier to get through. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss a guy to you here real quick. Uh, so Mason Rudolph is not good. Um, and it, (laughs) (laughs) and it's, it, it, it really is, uh, disheartening to find that out. Um, luckily you get Ben Roethlisberger back next year. And plus now, you know, that you don't have the answer necessarily on roster. Those are good things. To you know, to be able to find out before Ben retires. So, uh, but Mason Rudolph finally just—I mean—he was so, so bad that he finally just got benched for Devlin Hodges. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, and and so this is just kind of this question is directed at you as a Steelers fan. Who's the quarterback going forward for the Steelers? So I've, by the way, I've got Hodges listed here as a potential ad. And so, you know, follow-up question for you is, do you, do we in a super flex, are we picking up Devlin Hodges with the, the idea that maybe he's the starter rest of season? Um, I think,
0: yeah, rest of season, I think it's an okay ad. I think Hodges is an okay. I, look, I love Duck. I mean, it Duck is a cult hero in Pittsburgh. He really is. Um, you know, any Steelers fan that pays attention to the team knows who this guy is, knows kind of what he did in training camp and in the preseason, um, you know, and then to the practice squad, then back up to the team, you know, um he he's just it's a fun story and the guy has he has an it factor about him not in the same way that tom brady has an it factor about him but you get what i'm saying he just there's something about the guy that makes you want to root for him okay he, he calls ducks like he calls else. yes like yeah, that and,
1: that, hey. that still can that that still counts as it factor
0: and for a guy like me Okay. (laughs) Full
1: disclosure, right?
0: I mean, I've been in the woods for the last week and a half, so yes, you know, for a guy like me, I it it means a lot. But no, no, for real though. I mean, I he's he's uh, Hodges is a player who he's if you need a game manager, uh, or or a guy that isn't afraid to sling it a little bit, but doesn't necessarily have all the physical tools. I mean, that's the thing about Hodges. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the, you know, I mean, you saw even on the on the James Washington deep ball, uh, the the long touchdown pass. I mean, he threw the ball short. Washington just made a really good adjustment on the ball um, to undercut the the defensive back and and then ended up stiff arming a guy into bl- oblivion and, and taking it to the end zone. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, Hodges is, you know, and he played uh, admirably, too, in the game against Baltimore when um uh, when um good grief. Mason Rudolph got knocked like to Mars um <laughs> on, on that play, you know and then and then he started against um the Chargers as well and 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 they won that game. Yeah, I mean, I think he gives them he doesn't hey, look and and look, I I understand Mason Rudolph he, he's not good and he has he's been he's been significantly worse since the concussion too. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he wasn't great before that, but he was serviceable. I mean, he made some nice throws. He, you know, he looked better than he looks now. The problem with Mason Rudolph is he has no mobility whatsoever. None. Like, absolutely none. So that's an area where Hodges Hodges can extend plays with his legs. He's not going to. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not taking off. And I mean, nobody's Lamar Jackson, but he's, he's not taking off and making running for 30 yards. I'm not talking about that, but he can he can do the, you know, shuffle, get outside the pocket, maybe dump it to a tight end for seven yards, whereas Mason Rudolph is either sacked or tries to force the ball into a small area and it gets deflected and intercepted and end of story. The Steelers defense is good enough that with Duck Hodges, I think they have a better chance of winning the yeah. way the way that he's made up for fantasy purposes i think you're probably going to be disappointed with devlin hodges if you're you know if you're like oh well this is a new starting quarterback of the pittsburgh steelers for the rest of the season let's add him is he worth an ad probably i just wouldn't expect a whole lot you know add him for depth if you need a guy that might get you like 10 points so that you don't take a zero <laughs> he's, yeah. he's not a guy that you're starting and and thinking, oh, I'm going to get 18 to 20 out of this guy, and eh, probably not. <laughs> you know, so that that's kind of what I'll say about Hodges, but uh, but Duck is definitely a cult hero in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the main reason that he makes this list is, first of all, you know, most superflex formats, you're you're not going to find a starting quarterback on waivers very often. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at some point, especially the way this season has gone. You know, somebody's going to get hurt and or somebody's going to get benched. I mean, my God, how many how many quarterbacks got benched for their backup this week? We saw Matt Schaub uh, replace Matt Ryan. We saw Tim Boyle replace Aaron Rodgers. Uh, We saw uh, uh, Mike Glennon replace Derek Carr, Um, you know, for totally different reasons. We saw RG three replace Lamar Jackson. You know, the, these guys just kind of the, the, you know, the quarterbacks are just kind of coming and going and, uh, you know, you, you never really know who it's going to be, who's going to, who's going to get benched because they just weren't good enough. Who's going to get hurt, you know, uh, and, and this season has just been so crazy as far as that goes, that when you find somebody who looks like they're going to start for an NFL team, In a super flex format, you pick them up just because the guys that you have on roster, nothing is guaranteed. You know, now now we're starting to wonder, when does Nick Foles get benched? You know, when does Mitch Trubisky get benched? And and again, I mean, there's still that totally unknown variable of injury. So, you know, I I think that in a super flex league, you pick up Devlin Hodges just as as that depth, just as insurance. You're really hoping that you don't need him, but I mean, there is an angle. I mean, he's 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 mobile. We always talk about it, I, we overuse the term cheat code, and I'm sick of it. But I, I mean, he's got that, mm-hmm. and not only that, he's throwing to. You know, you're you're about to get Connor back probably, and and if you don't, I mean, you've still got Benny Snell. You've got, uh, you know, they're they're starting to use Jalen Samuels more in a receiving game, like we mentioned. You've got Vance McDonald out there now. You're going to get Juju Smith-Schuster back. You know James Washington is coming on a little bit, and uh, there's another guy that we're going to talk about a, li- a little bit later. Actually, I'll we'll just uh, you know foreshadow this a little because I mentioned Deion Cain last week. So I I mean it's a it's an offense with some weapons. Uh, you know, there's any given week Devlin Hodges could definitely give you. You know, in a in a pinch, Devlin Hodges could absolutely give you, you know, a a super flex startable type of game in particular. I mean, they've got, you know, uh, uh, they've got Cleveland again this week and then they've got they're at Arizona. But I mean, that's the absolute worst defense against the pass in the entire NFL you know, there, there, there's a good chance for a plug in play. So I think Devlin Hodges needs to be added for that reason. Um, I was mainly curious if he's going to end up starting. It sounds like you, you kind of think that he is. So, um, I, you know, an, another guy who's, who's worth an ad here. So, uh, onto the wide receiver position, you know, Anthony Miller gets, uh, he managed nine targets Six catches for 77 yards after we had essentially bailed on him. We thought Taylor Gabriel is the number two in a pretty bad offense, but Anthony Miller pulls together a pretty nice game here against the New York Giants. Um, I, you know, obviously needs to be added, but uh, you know, to, to what degree would you trust him going forward? And thus what, are you willing to spend on him and fab um, to uh, to kind of shore up the wide receiver position? Yeah,
0: this one's perplexing to me. Um, you know, Miller to start the season was like awful. I mean, he had four catches through the first four weeks for 27, eight yards, 28 yards. Um, you know, then he had a couple half decent games there in the middle of the season. Uh, then he put up another two games where he was targeted a total of three times, one catch for seven yards in those two games. And now the last two games, he's caught six passes in in each of them. Um it's just been inconsistency with with Anthony Miller. Um, I think the talent is there. He was a guy this season or this offseason that um, you know, I, I kind of liked coming into the year. I thought you know, and and a lot of people liked him a lot. There was some talk that he maybe was the one and that Allen Robinson was the two. Um, I mean, not for me. I'm a Penn State guy, so (laughs) I'm I'm gonna defend Allen Robinson to to the end of time. But um you know, but there was legitimately conversation about that this this past offseason. And, you know, and then it was such a disappointing start. Um but yeah, the last couple of weeks, I mean he's had twenty targets over the last two games, which is I mean, that's really nice. So um you know i i think he's definitely worth an add if he's available in your leagues um as far as fab i would probably go i'd probably go
1: 15% of uh starting or remaining remaining okay okay yeah that's probably about right i mean it's it's still going to be a little tough to you know, decipher when you're starting him and he's mostly just going to be bench depth in most cases, but, um, especially, you know, we've got, yeah, we've got more to talk about on that particular issue. But, um, so one last guy here is Jack Doyle with Eric Ebron going on IR, uh, with that ankle injury. And, uh, you know, so basically you consolidate the work of, the indianapolis colts tight end position um so same question i think you know when it comes to jack doyle same question as anthony miller right it, it, it clearly he needs to be added in 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 most cases i mean he's going to be in the mix to be a tight end one most weeks uh but you know to what extent um you know are, are, are you to what extent are you prioritizing how much are you spending on him on in fab? And, you know, let's even take this a step further. What type of guys do you have to be right now kind of juggling at the tight end position to feel like Jack Doyle, you know, makes it into that rotation, if not takes over your starting spot for your fantasy team?
0: Hmm. So the last part of that question is a really good one.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's pretty important, but I also really put you on the spot. Yeah, well,
0: you know that's okay. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, for me, like a Gre- uh, Greg Olson is a type of guy who you know I would kind of be feeling right now. Like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and maybe not Noah Fant. He he's getting a pretty good workload. Yeah. Um, but you know, if if you're still trying to figure out OJ Howard, Mike Jasicki, you know, yeah, Kyle Yeah, Rudolph. I would
0: definitely I think I definitely would want him over Gasicki at this point. I yeah. mean, I love Gasicki long term. I think if he can learn to block like even a little bit, he's gonna be he's gonna be I mean, he has he has the athletic ability to be really, really good. Um in the league and for fantasy purposes, uh, that yeah. kid can jump like, oh my gosh, that kid can jump. Um, yeah. So, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, if, if we're talking, I, I, think I would probably rather have Doyle over Olsen, um, personally. Yeah. Um, just, you know, but, but, but yeah, that's the range, I think.
1: Olsen,
0: um, Kasicki, Jimmy
1: Graham, Kyle Rudolph. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, really kind of when you get into those streamers. Like right. the the guys who are slam dunks right now. You know, it's it's um if Austin Hooper makes it back, yep. uh, you know, he's he's obviously there. Um uh you know, Gerald Everett, uh Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, of course, Hunter Henry, George Kittle, tra- uh, Travis Kelsey um yeah I I mean even for me like I still kind of consider Jared Cook to be a little bit of a streamer I mean he's certainly come on lately but if I'm starting Jared Cook I think I'm still making a move for Jack Doyle just as kind of insurance you know and and I I'm still considering playing matchups there you know right yeah, like I'd take, I would take
0: Doyle over guys like Vance McDonald, um, Dawson yeah. Knox. You know, all those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think he's definitely. He again, he's worth an ad. I'm probably not putting a lot of Fab on him though. Um, you know, maybe if Ebron was my starting tight end and I didn't have any better <laughs> options, State then yeah, I would, I would potentially put, you know put a little more down, but I'm, I'm thinking minimal, minimal bid, um, five bucks, 5%, depending on how much money you have left. Um, I'm probably not doing a whole lot more than that, to be honest. Yeah. Again, unless I'm, unless I'm really desperate. I mean, if tight end is my weakest position and I'm starting one of the guys that we said we would take Jack Doyle over, then yeah, I would, I mean, I would put more in that case. Um, but, you know, if, if this is just a, well, you know, am I just trying to add as as much talent as possible? I, I just, I don't think I'd spend a whole lot on him as all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. He's, he's to me, he's still kind of a streamer and, and right. love Jack Doyle, but yeah, I mean, we're still kind of in that, that same range. If, if you're streaming tight end, I mean, you know, you can do worse than Jack Doyle as a streamer, but he doesn't solve all your problems. Right. Um, Let's get to some some drops. And I I, we just have two names here and I want to throw them both at you. Um, This is really kind of in in redrafts primarily, although this first one, I think Dynasty, it kind of fits as well. Uh, But Brian Hill, um, you know, the 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 idea was that with Devonta Freeman out, Brian Hill takes on that lead back role and you know, he's got the majority of the carries, but I mean, he's losing goal line touches to quadri Allison. He's really not doing much with the carries that he is getting. It's, you know, you got something like 24 yards out of him, something like that uh, this past week. He's, he's, somewhat involved in the passing game, but nowhere near what Devonta Freeman would be. And now you're probably getting Freeman back anyways. But even if you don't, is Brian Hill somebody that you drop or, uh, you know, do you, do you keep him on the bench with the idea that, you know, maybe this is a prolonged injury for Devonta Freeman and maybe at some point, you know, Brian Hill gets going. And on top of that, I mean, you, you know, when you picked up most likely, and this is why, by the way, next week, this week, our our favorite segment on this particular episode is so damn important because, you know, if you had picked up Brian Hill, um, you know, a, a week early, you got him for basically free. And, you know, this doesn't matter quite as much, but a lot of people spend a lot of fab to get Brian Hill and it probably is making it really hard for those people to drop Brian Hill. So I'm, I'm curious if uh, you know, if if he's somebody that you're gonna hold out hope for or if you're gonna drop him. And then just some real quick context on Curtis Samuel. He's just not connecting with Kyle Allen. This is this offense right now is you know, it, it it's DJ Moore, it's Christian McCaffrey in, you know, both the running and the passing game. It's a little bit of Greg Olson and that's really kind of it i mean curtis samuel's getting targets but they're not quality targets and he's not getting enough of those even to to really matter it it, in a redraft league in particular um uh, you know uh, i'm i'm curious if he's somebody that you're willing to cut ties with move on and open up a roster spot and in dynasty i mean I, i don't think you're dropping him clearly you're not dropping him but you know, are, are you going to be able to trust him enough uh, to start him at any point?
0: Yeah. So for me, Brian Hill is definitely droppable. Um, pretty much in all formats. Um, I, I I just don't. I I yeah. I I don't think. I just don't think he's all that great. Uh, I think Allison has a chance to. I mean, obviously, he's a bigger back. But I think he has a, a better chance of moving up the depth chart um, in the future than, than Brian Hill does. Um, so for me, yeah, Brian Hill is 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 a... I would be perfectly fine with that one. Um, Curtis Samuels is a little bit of a different story for me. Um, everything that you said is true and makes sense. Um, I just... I... You're right. He's not connecting with Kyle Allen right now, but I'm not convinced that he won't connect with him moving forward, especially in Dynasty. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily be looking for or looking to move on from him in Dynasty. Um, in redraft, if you absolutely need a roster spot to pick up somebody that is going to be an impact player for you, then yes. I'm fine with that, but I also think I would, I would look at other options on my team. If you know, if, if you're, if you're kind of between Samuel and somebody else like Brian Hill (laughs) or, or someone like, you know, someone else like that, I think I would probably rather hang on to him than, than just flat out drop him. Um, even in redraft. You know, again, like you said, he is getting the targets. He's just not connecting. So if he connects a little more, <laughs> um, and like you said, the offense is, it definitely, I mean, we saw DJ Moore this week just went nuts. Um, and and Christian McCaffrey goes nuts every single week. So, um, you know, yes, the offense absolutely runs through those two guys. Um, you know, but but I, I think there's, I think the, the problem you're going to have with Curtis Samuel is the consistency because I think that he's going to have games, you know, um the last two weeks have been really rough. The previous two weeks prior to that, he got a touchdown in both games. I think he had around 50 or 60 yards receiving in those games. So, obviously not huge games, but still double digit fantasy points. Um so, you know, again, for me it's the consistency that makes him or the inconsistency that makes him even even considerable as a drop. Um, but I still kind of lean towards hanging on to him if you have other options to drop before him.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's fair. You never know when when they could catch fire. And, and I believe it's a pretty good schedule going forward. And it's it's OK. I mean, you know, you got washington and atlanta all of a sudden atlanta is a kind of tough matchup yeah um and then uh, seattle indianapolis yeah it's i don't know (laughs) but you know yeah you, you never know if those if those some of those passes from kyle allen start to start to connect Uh, Things could get pretty interesting pretty fast. So maybe we don't jump the gun, Um, but you can't feel comfortable starting him right now. Um, Let's move on here. So in the past, we've done, uh, you know, we we do buys and we do sells. And we're going to change that up just a little bit for these purposes. I mean, in most cases, your trade deadline is passed. Uh, Like Brian said, I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't have trade deadlines, uh, particularly in Dynasty. Um, But a lot of people still do. Um, You know, that's just kind of the way things have always been done. That's why we still veto trades, even though that one makes absolutely no sense. Um, So based on the fact that a lot of uh, trade deadlines have passed. First of all, we're going to talk about some guys um, instead of buys. This is going to be buy in's so some guys that you know you you may not have felt particularly comfortable starting that i think you're going to be very startable going forward um and then uh the instead of sells it's going to be just got, you know guys we're going to try and fade here down the stretch uh late in the season for various reasons um and uh i I'll, i'm just going to fire these guys off to you um and we'll go through the buy-ins real quick and then we'll go through the fades um, but uh, I'll I'll fire off these names, give you just a little bit of context, and then um, give you a chance to uh, to you know to agree or disagree with uh, with as many of them as as you want. Um, if you're on board with all of them, we'll just move on. So real quick, so Nikhil Harry finally gets on the field, catches a, a an amazing touchdown from Tom Brady um, in a very tough game. Uh, tough elements. Uh, a tough matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. He still makes that three sixty spinning catch uh, with the foot drag. and uh, it, it, I you know it just I think that uh, you know so much of what the Patriots do is just kind of based on gaining the trust of both Brady Belichick and uh, McDaniels. And making a catch like that down <laughs> down in the in the end zone, I think uh, you could very well see. An uptick in uh, the amount of targets that Nikhil Harry is going to get going forward. Tyler Boyd. So this is I I, I got to tell you about this one real quick because so Ryan Finley's getting benched. They just totally ruined him. He's he he's just a, a train wreck at this point. They're going to go back to Andy Dalton. So real quick the the splits when Tyler Boyd has Andy Dalton versus when Andy Dalton is not on the field. Tyler Boyd's production gets cut in half when he loses Andy Dalton. Like to a point where his his average targets per game dropped from 10.25 to 5.5. His receptions per game dropped from six point six point four to three point five. His receiving yards per game dropped from 67 to 31 His, uh, his, his share, his, uh, target share dropped from 22.9 down to 12.5 and his PPR points per game dropped from 13.9 to 7.1. So he gets, he gets Andy Dalton back. And so much of Tyler Boyd's production has come with Andy Dalton at the quarterback position. All of a sudden he jumps right back into that mix of high-end wide receiver, two type of guys that we that we thought that we were getting from him going into the season. Devonte Parker. It's primarily based on uh, the schedule coming up. Um, I mean, he's he's certainly emerged as the top option for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins, but this schedule is just crazy going forward. Philadelphia, who's the fifth worst against uh, against wide receivers the New York Jets eighth worst, the New York Giants second worst and then finally a tough matchup in your fantasy championship against Cincinnati the 19th worst uh in the NFL. So it's it's still a a pretty average matchup but until then he's got dream matchups the whole way through. David Montgomery it's it's really kind of the same thing. It's it's based on uh the schedule coming up. I mean, I know that we haven't seen anything you know, particularly useful from David Montgomery lately, but that he's, he's got Detroit this week. They're the number they're the second worst against uh, fantasy running backs, tough one against Dallas. And then in your fantasy semis and finals, he's got green Bay fourth worst against running backs and Kansas city, the absolute worst against running backs, allowing the absolute most fantasy points to running backs. And then finally Darius Geis. And again, the just the matchup coming up uh or the the schedule going forward. Um, it's uh as as he starts to wrestle away more of that workload from Adrian Peterson. And uh as I try and find his schedule here real quick. Ah, there we go. Uh so this week is uh so they just they just played the Jets. Or Detroit. I'm trying to figure out where we're uh, Detroit. Okay. So they, yeah. So you lose Detroit, but still so got Carolina. They're allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs. Then Green Bay, fourth most. Then a tough one in your semis with Philadelphia and a, a middle of the road matchup with the New York Giants. By then, Darius Guys should have full control of that backfield. So it's really just the next two weeks in particular with Carolina and Green Bay. They're both on the road, but this is an offense that's going to run the ball a lot. And like I said, I, I think that they're phasing Darius guys more into that lead back role uh, with every with every week. So, what do you think about it? The any of those that you disagree with? Any of those that uh, that you're not going to feel like you can start with confidence?
0: Um. Hmm. So for me, the. <sighs> The one that sticks out here is, is Harry. Okay. And for me, it, it, and, and, and not, not so, so let me, let me preface this by saying, um, you should have been buying in dynasty like all year. Correct. Um, and if you didn't, you're going to really regret that. Um, because I think that this kid moving forward is going to be really, really good. Um, I don't, the, the only thing, so New England, there's a couple things that concern me. Number one, <laughs> I hesitate to even put this out there because, <laughs> I mean, history shows that I'm going to get sliced up for it. But Tom Brady has not been playing great over the last few games.
1: That's true. That's very true.
0: I mean, we're talking like 140 yards passing and maybe a touchdown. Yeah. the last couple of games. So now if if Harry's the guy that catches that touchdown, well, then, yeah, it's a great day. Four catches, 28 yards and a touchdown. Pretty decent day. He doesn't catch that touchdown. You're talking about six fantasy points. Um. Now, this is his first game back too, after being out for a long time here. So with injury. So, you know, we'll have to see. I, I just I don't think I've seen enough to feel like I can trust him. So I don't know that I can buy in yet. Uh, if he does it another week or two, then yeah, you know, then yeah, I I really like Nikhil Harry long-term here. I just don't know at the end of this season, he, 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 I mean, we could be talking about an unbelievable, a a guy that wins you leagues, or we could be talking about a guy who loses you leagues or wastes a spot on your roster. I'm just not sure which one we're going to get. Um, other than that, I think I like most of these. I like Boyd a lot. Um, I think Montgomery and Geis are two really good options too, based on their schedules and their workloads. Um, I think Darius Geis is going to get a heavier workload here over the last several games of the season. Um, just so Washington kind of can see, you know, what they've got in him because he's only played three games. So, um, and then Devontae Parker is interesting. I mean, talk about a guy that was like dead in the water. And then, all of a sudden he's having like a fifth year breakout or sixth year, 18th year. It feels like he's been around forever. Um, You know, but, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's become kind of a consistent producer. So, um, you know, uh, again, trust is the only thing I, I just, I have a mental block there. I think based on his performance this season, I think you probably can trust him. Um, I just have a little bit of a mental block because of, previous seasons where <laughs> I've had him on my roster and have been severely disappointed. So, uh, but yeah, no, these are some good ones. I think these are all, uh, you know, guys that you can consider at least buying into um, and, and several of them that are, that are good bets.
1: So maybe Harry should have been more of a next week, this week guy for redraft purposes. He's, he's very low ownership uh, at about 16%. And that, I mean, that feels high to me. I'm surprised he's on, he's on, that many redraft rosters yeah. um, like you said for dynasty purposes i mean you, you already should have been buying and now it's it's a little bit late um his now his value starts going up his price starts going up um you you missed the window essentially um but uh yeah so maybe for he should have been more of a next week this week guy for redraft purposes um, here's some guys to fade, and just for the sake of time, I'm I'm not going to go through their schedules. But all four of these guys, it's just about the schedule. The schedule is extremely hard and extremely daunting going forward. And uh, so I'm just going to read off the list. First of all, Amari Cooper, who just got absolutely erased by Stephon Gilmore. Two two targets, no catches, no points. It, it and and we've seen that happen before. We've seen him neutralized by good cornerbacks. And he's got a murders row of them coming up Bo Scarborough. Um, you know, now that he has taken on the lead back role for Detroit, now he gets about as tough a schedule as, as you could possibly get for a running back. Um, now that everybody's falling all over themselves for him. Um, I, you know, I think that you need to proceed with caution. Josh Allen just actually navigated a pretty tough matchup with the Denver Broncos. And it, you still get, the rushing out of him, which is kind of the the big, uh, the the big equalizer, but he still has a pretty tough matchup coming for, or a, a tough schedule. Sorry, going forward that includes the New England Patriots, and then Mark Andrews um, with uh, the about as tough a schedule as you can get for the tight ends going forward. And like I said, I mean, I, I could go through and read off the schedules, but um, just for the sake of time, just just take my word for it that these schedules for all four of these guys are tough. Uh are, are these guys um knowing that they're that it's going to be tough based on matchups um are these still guys that you're going to start with confidence?
0: I'm starting Mark Andrews with confidence, yes. The other the three I uh, he, for me he is and it doesn't okay. I mean it, it's all about opportunity. 7 targets in all but two games this season. Um and and he's I mean he he's got the <clears throat> ooh, I almost did something really bad there uh, <laughs> he he's got the potential MVP of the league uh, he, he's the security net for that dude so I, I just yeah I I I'm not benching Mar- and I mean unless unless we're talking about benching him for George Kittle slash Travis Kelsey slash Hunter Henry you know. Then I'm I'm playing him. I mean he, he's he's a top five tight end for me, regardless of who he's playing against.
1: Okay. It is it is
0: a it is a damn tough schedule though. You're I mean there's no doubt about that. I just looked at it and it is definitely a tough schedule. But I'm still starting him with confidence.
1: Okay. Cool. All right. Let's. Uh, so we still wanted to bring back some buys and sells for you for dynasty purposes. So I've just got three names that I'm going to throw out to you. I, I want to know if you're buying, selling, or holding these three guys. So first of all, Chris Godwin, monster season. There's no doubt. And, and you know, it, this all came up because, you know, we wanted to make sure that you got some credit here. You were on top of this as soon as Chris Godwin hit the NFL before he had even, you know, uh, set foot on an NFL field. You were on top of Chris Godwin and now here it is coming to fruition here in year three as he leads the NFL in touchdown catches another monster game this weekend. Here's the problem. Jameis Winston is great for fantasy purposes. Another 300 plus yard passing game, three more touchdowns. He also threw two more interceptions. He's on pace to, I believe uh, he's on pace um, for a record-setting season as far as turnovers go, yeah. And he's he's a free agent going into uh, uh, 2020. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be absolutely nuts to resign him. Now we would love we w- we would all love to see it because of what he does, in particular, for those two wide receivers, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, and and you know. Uh, Jameis himself ends up being very startable most weeks just based on the yardage, just, you know, based on the touchdowns, you know, the, the interceptions don't hurt us too, too much. It it neutralizes some of his scoring. It, it cup, it it caps his upside, but you know, it, it, for fantasy purposes, we would love to see Jameis Winston back in Tampa Bay. But there's no way that that happens. It would make absolutely no sense for the Buccaneers to re-sign Jameis Winston to the type of contract it would take, knowing full well that you cannot win games in the NFL with this guy because he turns the ball over too much. He makes bad decisions. He makes bad mistakes. And it costs you games. Lots of games. He loses you way more games than... He doesn't win you games. You know, when you actually win games, it's because something else worked. But he loses you games with his decision making and his propensity to turn the ball over. So knowing that you're not likely to have Jameis Winston as a quarterback throwing to Chris Godwin next year. What are you doing with Chris Godwin knowing that? I mean, right now he's 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 got to be regarded as a top five wide receiver in, uh, in dynasty all for all dynasty formats, you know, knowing full well that his that's the heights that his value is at right now. Are you still, are you holding, are you even willing to pay that price and buy him knowing that there's a, a, a good chance that you've got a different quarterback altogether. It's, it's almost almost a certainty it's not going to be Jameis Winston, and we have no idea who it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: absolutely love Chris Godwin. I'm very happy about his success. Um, he was a guy that, uh, you know, I I watched all of his home games here at Penn State um, and and really liked what I saw. thought he was going to translate to the NFL really well, uh, and he has. He's he's been outstanding and this has obviously been a breakout season for him. But yeah, I think you have to sell right now. I mean, we're talking about a guy that is is I mean, he's creeping into the first round in startups in, in non superflex leagues now. I will I will the the latest data that I have from DLF uh for the November ADP stuff is I mean, he's creeping into the first round of those non superflex leagues and he's creeping up into the second round of super flex leagues. So I mean, we're we're talking elite, elite status. You know, if if you can flip Chris Godwin for, you know, a, a player like, oh gosh, I don't even know. I mean, a, a Josh Jacobs and a, a lesser wide receiver or a, and I know you hate running backs, but, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the types of players that are back here. I mean, you know, if you can flip them for Kittle in a piece. Um, uh, digs in a piece, um, you know th- those types of deals. I would con- I would definitely consider doing it. Um, all the reasons you mentioned. It's just yeah, Jameis is great for fantasy purposes, but he's unlikely to sign long term there. Um, you know, and and I think they bring in a new quarterback, and either the quarterback's going to be worse, which <laughs> depending on how you feel about Jameis Winston, you might not feel like it can't <laughs> get a whole lot worse, but, um. For fantasy purposes, it could be a guy that is worse. It could um, be
1: way worse for fantasy purposes. Yes,
0: for sure. Or it will be a better quarterback, better NFL quarterback who maybe doesn't get you the fantasy stats because you're getting leads and running the football, you know. So yeah. um, yeah, I, I think Godwin, you have to sell right now based on how inflated his value is. And I'm not saying that he can't do this again, because I very well think he could do this again, but even if he does it again. You know, I mean, he doesn't have a whole. He doesn't have a whole lot of room to go up. I mean, based on his current value, so um, that's why I think you know turn Godwin into DJ Moore and and another big piece, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, you know. So, anyways, that's and that hurts me to say. So that's why I'm kind of shutting my mouth now. <laughs> thanks, no, John. I, you I, thanks,
1: John. You jerk. I know. I, I was I was starting to feel bad about this, especially after the, the next name that I'm going to ask you about because I'm going <laughs> to skip our quarterback. Uh, so I, I think that next week when we do this same segment, um, I'm probably going to have to let you come up with the names and uh, let you throw out names like Chris Carson. Um, hold my feet to the fire a little bit <laughs> since since this week, you're going to be the one sweating through this. So, yeah, I want to skip to a running back here. And we talked about him earlier, James Conner. Right, you know the 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 injuries are starting to to get a little bit chronic. um, You know, certainly not injury prone, and they're not major injuries. It's just a lot of little nagging things keeping him off the field. You know, this this they're they're deep at running back, and they've already shown that they're not willing to spend a lot of money on the running back position. High level, Bell, you know it. it We we know their approach to the running back position. You know, at what point does James Conner become kind of an afterthought? So I mean, it's a little tough to sell right now, based on the fact that I mean his his value is already depressed by the fact that he just hasn't been on the field nearly enough this season. Uh, But I mean, there's still some name value, and uh, so I'm curious what you're doing with James Conner
0: yeah i think for me i'm holding connor at this point um you know i i think there's there's another pretty good game or two left in him um I, I think definitely after this season if we're talking dynasty leagues i think for me he's a sell um in in dynasty um but i would wait for him at this point you know he's been banged up this year he he He's had a couple duds. Um, he's also had a couple decent games, but I think he's probably got a couple more left in him. And then I think you know, again, if if no trade deadline, I'd be looking to move him after a, a nice game um, or after the season. If you do have a trade deadline, um, you know, I have him in a couple leagues where I'm a contender, and I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. Uh, you know, just about. Uh, I don't know. I just I don't. It's it's kind of what we said earlier, like like and and like you were just saying right there. You know the way that the Steelers use the running back position, and and they really do. It's they they use the guys, and I mean they don't abuse, but they use them heavily. Um, I I just think you know, and and Connor, the injuries are starting to stack up. He's still good at times when he's in there, but he's not as good as he was last year, uh, and the offensive line. They didn't really lose a whole lot, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Obviously, I mean stacking boxes because Ben Roethlisberger's not in there is going on too. So, um, but but yeah, I'm I'm definitely concerned about Connor. I don't think now's the time to sell because I think other people are too. Wait for him to have a couple games uh, or or get some steam in the off season, and then if he's trending upward at any time, I would probably look to get out at that point in time.
1: All right, and finally, Ryan Tannehill. So, JJ Zacharyson tweeted out that uh, since Ryan Tannehill took over as a starting quarterback uh, for the uh, for the Tennessee Titans, the only quarterback averaging more points per game over that span, which uh, five games now, is Lamar Jackson. And uh, our our good friend Stompy made a point to uh, to mention me. Um, by a quote tweeting that, um, to just, just to, just to rub it in a little bit that yes, Ryan Tannehill has been the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. I mean, that's just kind of all there is to it. And probably always was now. I mean, I'll, I, I will say that I have a feeling that if you put those two on a different roster, you know, I, I, I think that that could turn out differently. I don't think that this is just a straight up in a vacuum case where Ryan Tannehill is the better quarterback. I think Ryan Tannehill is absolutely the better fit for the Tennessee Titans, but I'll remove that qualifier because we have no way to test that and just come out and say, yes, Ryan Tannehill is the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. That said he's on, he he's, he's a free agent after the season as well. Both of those guys are Mariota and Tannehill, both, free agents Ryan Tannehill's making it awfully tough for them to to you know to move on from him and start all over at quarterback he's he for fantasy purposes he's been no worse than quarterback 10 uh in the five weeks that he's been the starter and he's gonna finish week 12 as a quarterback two uh behind surprise surprise Lamar Jackson He's averaging, uh, 20, what was it? 23 points per game, um, over the, over the five games that he's been the starter, both for fantasy purposes and for NFL purposes, Ryan Tannehill has been, I mean, really better than we've ever seen him play. And that's the concern from me. This feels like this could be a little bit of a trap for the Tennessee Titans, you know you have to spend the money to bring him back um he he gives you the best chance to win but by doing that you're taking yourself out of you know the the out of play when it comes to drafting a rookie quarterback in a pretty strong class you're going to you're going to skip over that that class or maybe you take somebody kind of late but i mean you're not going to get you know even a, like a Jordan Love you're 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 not going to end up with a guy like that you know, so you're you're gonna put all of your eggs in the in the Ryan Tannehill basket in the off season and you're gonna have to give him a pretty substantial contract. And I I'm not so sure that he's that that this level of play is sustainable. So that that's my case for it. I'm curious what you're doing with Ryan Tannehill and a super flex though. I or, or I mean, we know that there's a a certain amount of value just in, you know, a starting quarterback, a starting NFL quarterback, and he's probably earned himself a starting job somewhere. So, you know, what are you doing with Ryan Tannehill in a super flex league?
0: I'm selling the shit out of him.
1: There you go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm kind of curious what some of our other uh, co-hosts would say about that. Um, yeah, I I think you would
0: probably get a split, um, or 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 I think you would get arguments from both sides of the aisle on that. Yeah. Um, I'm just I yeah I don't I mean, so so here's, <laughs> here's where I will oblige those guys. Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback for the Tennessee Titans than Mark Smerola. There's no doubt about it. Sure, no doubt about it. Sure. Um, but I don't necessarily think Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. I think he's played well here. Yeah. Um I mean I I don't think you can deny that he's played well over these last 5 games, but I'm just not convinced he's any better than any other run of the mill average you know NFL quarterback. And I think the Titans would be silly to pay him starter money. Um you know, with with that particular roster too, I just don't. I don't think that he. I just don't think he's that good. It's the bottom line. I don't really. I mean, I know that's really deep analysis there. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: I mean, but I just, I'm I just too. don't.
0: I just kind of don't. I just don't think Ryan Tannehill's that good of a quarterback. He's playing very well, and again, there's no denying that he's he's four and one. They're, uh, you know, they're playing well with him under center. Um, I'm just not convinced it's going to continue.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at, too. There's there's not a whole lot of analysis to it beyond that, you know, and and I, like like I said, I you know, it kind of takes the Tennessee Titans out of play as far as, you know, going and getting competition for Ryan Tannehill, kind of the way they went and got Ryan Tannehill is competition for Marcus Mariota. I don't think they're necessarily going to do that. I think they're going to go into the 2020 season comfortable and confident in Ryan Tannehill. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't think anything has changed. He wasn't good in Miami. He's, he's playing well right now, you know, behind a a reasonably good offensive line. Um, you know, his mobility makes all the, it is the difference between him and Marcus Mariota. Um, he's certainly willing to take more shots than Marcus Mariota as well. So mm-hmm. you know, I fully acknowledge Ryan Tannehill is the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. I, I hate to say it, but it's the case, but you know, once, once that part of the discuss, once that argument has been, you know, once we can turn a page on that argument, the next argument becomes is, is Ryan Tannehill actually a good quarterback? I don't think he is. Sounds like you don't think he is. It, it, it's again, it's a trap. It's a trap for the Titans. It's a trap for fantasy players, it, you know, sell him on the strength of what he's doing right now, especially I, I mean, you're probably holding through the rest of the season, right? If, if you're in contention, you can't ignore what he's doing right now. But, you know, going into the offseason, or, you know, as soon as you're out of playoff contention, I think that you you start looking to sell Ryan Tannehill based on the strength of what he's been doing, and off of the idea that he likely has earned himself a starting job somewhere, most likely in Tennessee. All right, one last segment here, and we call this next week. This week, Um, we uh, we we've been also doing next year. Last year, I entered last week. I introduced this next year, this year, man, all this is confusing, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and we'll, we'll hold off on that for the week. This is going to be our, our kind of, uh, our nod to those of you who are still playing for something here in 2019. Um, so we're going to just kind of work on, you know, building up those benches, getting ready for the playoff run, um, uh, make that final push to get into the playoffs and then run through your playoff bracket. Um, so some, some players that you can pick up now who are likely going to be uh high waiver priorities this time next week, and you would have to spend a significant amount of fab on them now, but if you pick them up there, you're going to have to, God, it's late here. <laughs> it's, even, <laughs> it's, it's, it's even later there, but uh, it's late here um next week you would have to spend a significant significant amount of fab on these guys but you pick them up now you get them for free you save that fab and uh you can spend it elsewhere so um let's just run through let's just kind of take turns let's say a name give a little bit of analysis and uh, i mean if there's any discussion that needs to be had we can do it but for the most part i think we're going to be able to just fire through these so um just uh just pick a name on our list and uh, give a little analysis on it. Uh, yeah. So I'll go
0: right back to the Steelers uh, and, and the player that you had mentioned earlier, foreshadowed a little bit and Dion Kane. Um, you know, I think, this was a nice waiver pickup by the Steelers, especially given their wide receiver situation with some of the injuries and Juju being out Um, Deontay Johnson. He did play this past weekend, but um, you know, he was banged up, had a concussion in the the previous game. Um, You know, Kane, he didn't, he didn't make a huge splash, uh, but he did catch one pass for 35 yards and it was a really nice play. Um, I think, Over time here, he will get a few more opportunities to rotate in the outside receiver positions here, which is really significant for the Steelers. Because if if they can get two of James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Deion Kane working on the outside perimeter, then Juju can stay in the slot. And that's where he thrives. So... Um, from a team perspective, I really like that as a Steelers fan and uh, and again, from a fantasy perspective, I think Dion Kane is a guy that over these next couple of weeks um, you know can can really increase his snap share and his production um you know moving forward here for the Steelers. So I like Dion Kane uh, to potentially be a next week this week guy.
1: Uh, Travion Williams, uh, backup running back to Joe Mixon for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I, the uh, the idea is, I mean, at this point, the Bengals have all but locked up the first overall pick in the in the NFL draft. You know, it's a lost season. There's absolutely nothing left to play for. Why? Why on earth would you put Joe Mixon out there and let him take on, you know, the additional damage of the final you know, what four games of the season, why would you four or five games of the season? Why would you let him get beat up? Why would you let him take that damage risk injury? And overall, I mean, we just know that there's a a certain amount of mileage that a running back has in his body before it starts to break down. Why waste that? What, you know, what, what limited availability you have from Joe Mixon? Why would you waste it on 2019? in a season where you you've yet to win a game now you're going back to Andy Dalton a quarterback who you know is not going to be there next year you know it, you you've got a bad offensive line bad all around offense you're not going to beat anybody and even if you do it it's not for the in the best interest of your franchise to win any games you know one at the most uh you can you can handle one win um, before you start worrying about, you know, who who uh, who can jump past you for that first overall pick. So the idea being that Joe Mixon at some point gets shut down for the rest of the season just because there's absolutely no reason for him to take on that damage. Travion Williams, a rookie running back, takes on that workhorse role for the rest of the season. And we don't care beyond that. If, if they're winning games, does not matter. All that matters is who's touching the football, who's getting the volume, who's on the field, who's getting the volume, who's, who's, you know, who's producing fantasy points based on those two variables. And if Joe Mixon gets shut down for the season, I believe it's Travion Williams.
0: Um, I, I, the next one here, I, and I hope, I really hope I'm not stealing thunder on this one, John, cause I know this guy is one of your guys, um, that I've heard you talk about significantly and f- please feel free to jump in here and add, um, but I'm going to go with justice Hill, mm-hmm. uh, of the Ravens here. And the reason the schedule here, uh, and, and especially next week here, they got the, the, um, San Francisco 49ers, very tough run defense, um, if, if the Ravens are in a game uh, and they cannot run the football, now, I'm not convinced they necessarily won't be able to because Mark Ingram has been damn good this year, um, but if they fall behind in a game, which they haven't been behind very often, but if they do, I think Justice Hill will have an opportunity out of the backfield to make some splash plays. Um, they're going to have to get creative against the Niners' D Um this, that that defense looked amazing last night against the uh, Packers. So, uh, you know, I, I I think Justice Hill brings a different skill set to the field uh, than the other Ravens running backs. Uh, Mark or um, Mark Ingram has been good out of the backfield as well. I just think, I mean, he's going to be. There's going to be opportunities for another back in the passing game there, um, potentially in that game. So, uh, I think I like Justice Hill here. Uh, for for next week and a couple weeks after, too.
1: Yeah, and, and I, you know, furthermore, so Baltimore right now at 9-2, and two, second place in the AFC. They haven't quite locked up the playoff spot, um, but that's coming very soon. Um, you know, I think, is, uh, in fact, if they were able to beat the San Francisco 49ers, I think they not only lock up a playoff spot, but also the division. And at that point, you know, you're just kind of playing for seeding. It, it, I I wonder how much you're going to throw Mark Ingram out once, once this stuff starts to fall into place. You know, how much do you run Mark Ingram and how much do you, you know, rest him and get him ready for the playoffs? So it's kind of the opposite idea of Travion Williams. So um, that was uh, that that's the one other thing that I would add to that. Uh, Bilal Powell, uh, backup running back for the Jets. And this is a time of year where you're primarily looking for, uh, you know, these, these running backs who pop up on waivers and end up, you know, providing, uh, you know, playing significant roles for various reasons. We've talked about a guy, um, you know, a, a backup running back jumping up because the starter gets shut down because the you know the team's going nowhere. It's a lost season with Joe Mixon. Now we've talked about a running back getting shut down in preparation for the playoffs. Bilal Powell is, you know, it's it, the Jets are somewhere in between, closer to the Bengals, more of a lost season. But Bilal Powell also just. It, he's he's the backup running back to a guy that the organiz, organization doesn't particularly want. And we know that full well. He almost got traded at the trade deadline. He almost got traded back to his original team. <laughs> That's how much <laughs> they don't want him. And uh, furthermore, I mean, I, I got to be honest, man, just like watching this, and I, I've got to shout this out to uh, Brian Johnson from, uh, from Fanball. Uh, at B- BTXJ uh, on, uh, on Twitter, B-X-T-J, BTXJ, I believe. Um, but he he's the first one that kind of pointed this out. And then I went back and watched some tape. Bilal Powell looks better than Le'Veon Bell right now, in all honesty. Bilal Powell looks like the best running back that the New York Jets have. Um, it, it's it's pretty amazing based on the fact that you know when when Pal suffered the neck injury last year, we thought his career could be over. So for him to even be on the field is is pretty amazing in and of itself. But to be out playing the great Le'Veon Bell, I I, I would not be surprised at some point for them to to it, they've already started to funnel more work to Ballal Pal. But at some point, I would not be surprised at all to see them. Just straight up, give him that job and see what they've got with him. So
0: moving along here, I guess uh, one one final one for me is is Daryl Henderson uh, or Darrell Henderson, um, and it it comes back to kind of what you said about um, just the Rams are just a mess right now. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the answer there is, but I I think that the usage for Todd Gurley is probably not going upward trend um so i think i think henderson might get a shot here uh to get in there and kind of show them what he can do um you know he's he's had some limited success um but again this this ran the rams are are really a mess right now um and, and i think maybe henderson provides a spark gets an opportunity to do that um So, uh, he's another guy that, that maybe, uh, we could look at next week and, and have him kind of have a big week. Um, we'll see what happens with it. It's just what a, what a crap show. I mean, (laughs) what a crap show. I I don't even know what else to say about the Rams after tonight's performance. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really bad.
1: (laughs) And and this is another one. It just, you know, why, why waste Todd Gurley on this season? Right. You know? Just, just call it what it is. This is a lost season. Try and regroup and come back in 2020 with Todd Gurley fully healthy. Yep. You know, and, and let Darrell Henderson carry you through the rest of the season. So, yeah. um, Let me just fire through these last three guys real quick. So, Brett Ripien, uh quarterback for the Broncos. Right now, it's really up in the air. So, first of all, um, Brandon Allen hit very hard uh, by Shaq Lawson in uh, the loss to the Bills, and his head – hit the hit the ground. And, um, you know, after that, so Jeff Legwald beat writer here in Denver pointed out that the, the numbers for the efficiency numbers for Brandon Allen drastically dropped after that hit. So point being, there's a good chance that Brandon Allen got concussed on that hit. He, he could be in the concussion protocol, it's gonna force the issue a little bit here for the Broncos as far as who starts going forward. Now, Drew Locke is certainly an option. He could, he's still, he's he's uh he has not been activated from IR yet. He's still in that 21-day window where you can either activate him or leave him on IR for the for uh or put him on season ending IR. It could go either way. If he gets activated, he probably starts. If they don't feel like he's ready, there's a good chance that they put him on season-ending IR so that can, they can open up a roster spot for a backup quarterback to Brett Ripien, and Brett Ripien gets to start. So very speculative here. Drew Locke is another guy that you could potentially add you know, for the exact same reason. Um, but at this point, it's kind of a coin toss between Brett Ripien and and Drew Locke. And, and Brandon Allen is still in the, concu- the the conversation if he makes it out of the concussion protocol. Uh, but right now, the most likely scenario is it's one of the two rookies, Brett Ripien or Drew Locke. Uh, Scotty Miller, who has emerged as the number three wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Bucks, We know that they can support three wide receivers. They just haven't had that. And all of a sudden, Scotty Miller comes along with blazing speed, uh, scored a touchdown in back-to-back games. And, uh, looks like, um, you know, one, one more dimension to this very dynamic offense. And then finally, Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro with a broken rib and a punctured lung likely ends his season. We know how much they wanted to use him, how much they had been using him. He's been the top target getter, the leader in receptions and receiving yards, uh, since week eight. For the Oakland Raiders, Zay Jones likely steps into that role now uh, with Hunter Hunter Renfro, probably out for the season. And uh, it's a guy that we mentioned when he was first traded from the Bills to the Raiders. I, I think that it's finally time for Zay Jones to take on a significant role in that Raiders offense going forward as they make a push for the playoffs. What do you think, man? Any any issues with any of those? No, not at all. Nice, easy enough. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Give thanks for DJ Moore. Um, oh, man. <laughs> what a give, week! <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously, that guy's so cra- trade attic six. Real quick shout out. Um, it, you know, with one of the uh, one of the co commissioners sitting right here, so. <laughs> Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to rebuild a team and all of a sudden DJ Moore, uh, Nikhil Harry, Noah Fant and Dallas Goddard looks like a pretty good core to build around on top of three sure. first round picks, including one that's going to be one one Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Definitely looking better than it was a couple of weeks ago, my man. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. In fact, and, and I just, just got my second win against, uh, our, our man Stompy. There you go. There yeah. you go. I
0: uh, uh, just real quick too. Um, so, you, I wouldn't call me a commissioner. Maybe, maybe like, representative. Head. yes, yeah. representative. That's good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Russ does all the work for those leagues uh, and he's outstanding. He does an outstanding job at it. So, just didn't want to take any of, of the thunder there because that's all him.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's, he's kind of reaching, you know, ryan mcdowell john Bosch, Bosch yep. fish level of commission uh at this point he he knows his stuff for sure we just need to get him on board with auctions but <laughs> uh, <laughs> beyond that he's uh he's but he's one of the absolute best so yep. um yeah give give thanks for dynasty outhouse as well uh i'm gonna give thanks for you brian Hart, as well for uh um for not only being the you know uh, such a great co-host but just a such a great friend and uh thanks dude we we talked for way too long before we hit (laughs) even hit record we did and it was much needed so um but i also give thanks to all of my co-hosts all of my friends throughout the community all of our super friends all of our listeners um, if if you're listening to this show, you're you're part of the Super Friends uh, community. So, um, and we give thanks to all of you. So, everybody have a an, a, an amazing Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving! Um, I hope that there's something on the table that's uh, that's beyond the traditions and green light that shit.
0: Traditions
1: <laughs> and say yeah yeah all the all the turkey for you, Brian Hart. Yes, he's he's Brian Hart at Brian Hart FF. I'm John Hogan, Superflex dude. This has been your Superflex Super Show standard operating procedures for week thirteen. Now go execute.